Well, hey, fans of biblical genetics, this is Dr. C, bringing to you yet another exciting episode of our show. I'm going back to Tucson, Arizona, once again to the Saguaro National Park. But this time, the man I was staying with said, hey, Rob, let's take my fancy sports car out into the desert for a sunrise. And so, yeah, we jumped in his convertible Audi with a very expensive price tag and hugged a few corners going at high rates of speed. And yeah, it was a really nice drive. But we ended up in a beautiful setting in the middle of a desert. And I decided I was going to whip out my camera. And I spoke for about 10 minutes on how people respond to authority in science. And that's a really critical question. Because, you know, we're always exposed to people and they're trying to say something and we don't know how much we should trust them or not. And it's hard to weigh the facts because the personality gets in the way. But I'm just going to wax eloquent for several minutes on this topic, have a good time, and then I'm, I'll be done. But before we go there, I just need to tell you that I'm getting really excited about my podcast. I'm starting to get some downloads. I'm starting to get some feedback. I'm starting to get some donations through the Buy Me A Coffee app. And I want to take a second just to thank a couple of people. Michelle O., you were my first donor, and I really appreciate it. Ben at 5th P, uh, really appreciate your support. Also, Zach K., you went above and beyond, man. Uh, not only did you donate some coffees, but you also became my first monthly subscriber. And you just told me that there is a tripod in the mail for me, and it should be here very soon. Oh, man, I can't wait. So if you're watching my videos on YouTube, you'll notice that I've been holding everything in selfie stick for most of my episodes. Well, no longer. Now I have a platform to place it upon because of the generous donation of Zach K. Levi, appreciate you, man. Two anonymous donors. You guys are awesome. And Lex H., again, um, your, your, your contribution of a coffee is very much appreciated. I pretty much got my expenses covered this month, and that's really nice. Uh, but also, Matthew S. and Christopher Different S., you two went above and beyond uh, sending me a donation on the side. I really appreciate it. Um, that definitely covered my expenses this month, and I'm looking forward to next month. Anyway, I'm going to turn you over now to our episode, Trust Me, I'm a Scientist. Hello, and welcome to Biblical Genetics. I'm your host, Dr. C. I'm coming at you today from the heart of the Saguaro National Park in Arizona. You know, on the way here, we drove past a place called Old Tucson. It sounds like an old, you know, ghost town, Wild West place. Actually, no, it's a movie studio. And that bridges into what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about showmanship. I want to discuss uh, the personality in science and how people influence the way we think based on their presentation. So today, right, a very famous person in the world of science might be uh, Richard Dawkins. Back in the day, it might have been Leakey. But it's funny because um, no one really believes in homo habilis anymore. And yet that was his big thing. But he talked about all the time what, what people heard constantly. I remember being a young man, I was very much influenced by personality. I, I had a lot of people I looked at and a lot of scientists I, I, I followed. And it's funny because sometime in my late teens, early 20s, I had an existential crisis. I realized that I was trusting other people for information, but I didn't know the information for myself. I hadn't yet figured out how to make my own decisions and, and put my own pieces of a puzzle together. And as I started doing that, I started unthinking a lot of things that I once thought. A lot of stories that I just accepted as true, I realized were just stories. And so in this grand scheme of science and our, our way of approaching the world, 
we've got to be really careful about the information that we follow. Like, for instance, natural selection is the engine of evolution a lot of people believe. And Charles Darwin said, you know, this is how things happen. They change slowly over time because of selection. But selection doesn't do very much. It's actually powerless to stop the accumulation of most mutations. See, mutations are looked at as the engine of, of novelty. Something changes, therefore you have a new trait and then selection can act upon it and either get rid of it or amplify it and evolution can proceed over time. But selection is actually powerless to do the things that are required. So yeah, we see changes in the world. We see natural selection happen. We see mutations. But the types of changes we see are not the types that are required by long-term evolutionary theory. And that's the thing. It's this grand story, this big picture that people paint. And yet when you actually look at the mechanisms of it, it doesn't work. And I remember having that realization and all of a sudden everything changed. So in life, we have this thing called information. Life is information. Life is based on information. The passing information from one generation to the next is life. Uh, life also deals with processing information because we're constantly taking in stimuli from our outside. We're making decisions based on that. In the cell, I mean, not just the human mind, I mean the cellular level. Cells are constantly churning through information. But information doesn't come from random processes. As far as we know, information only comes from other information or from an intelligent source that can think up information from scratch. So if we talk about the origin of life, this is an intractable problem for evolutionary theory because it doesn't really matter how much of a primordial soup you might have. It doesn't matter if you could form proteins, if you could form nucleic acids, or if you could form long chains of sugars, which are necessary for life, but it's irrelevant. Because even if you could, and we don't know how yet, but even if you could form long strands of DNA in solution, that's completely irrelevant because a long strand of random DNA has no information content. There's no actionable anything there. So you could take as much time as you wanted in the history of the whole universe in a DNA broth bubbling around and you're never actually gonna get anything that life can use because life is based on information. There's also a time problem. If, if you require a change to happen and you're waiting for this change to happen. So some DNA mutation might happen and give you this change eventually, but most mutations are lost. Most mutations are just randomly deleted by accident. And if that's true, then the first appearance of this brand new mutation that you're waiting for isn't important. It's how long it takes that mutation to actually stick in the population. And when we do computer simulations of that, we realize that it takes a lot longer than evolutionary theory has. So I'm even tempted to say, hey, Mr. Evolutionist, I will give you millions of years. I'll give you billions of years. I'll give you as much, as much of the building blocks as you want, but I don't think you're ever going to get what you really want, which is living things. Because living things aren't gonna come from that sort of a situation. Instead, we need an intelligent creator outside of the universe, outside of matter, applying knowledge and wisdom onto matter. And that's where life comes from. I'm sorry, there's nothing in the origin of life that speaks to the probability of the origin of life. It flies in the face of chemistry, probability, information theory, physics. There's nothing there. And if there's nothing there, we have to go somewhere else. And the other place we can go next is intelligent design. It is an intelligent creator. Now, again, I started off saying that there's a lot of showmanship in the world of science, and that is true, and this is a show here. I'm actually trying to act. I'm not a very good actor, but I'm trying to you know, excite people and, and, and encourage people. I don't want you to trust me. I want you to explore it for yourself.
And if you are um, thinking like I was when I was a young man, that evolution is absolutely true and evolution is, you know, natural selection drives evolution, I want you to rethink it. I want you to reapply your brain, your own mind, to take what you're hearing from the environment and say, okay, can I trust that person? What's he actually saying? Does, is he just giving me a big picture or does he actually have a mechanism to explain what he's trying to say? And that's, that was my existential crisis. When I realized there was no mechanism behind evolution, it was just a grand theory and a very interesting idea, a very powerful idea because it, it claims to explain everything. But when you get down to it, there's actually nothing there. And so in this exploration of biblical genetics, we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about the mechanisms of evolution, the mechanisms of DNA, what mutations do, what they can and cannot do. We're gonna be discussing all sorts of interesting and fun things on the show, but I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it for yourself. So I'm gonna put show notes in every episode. In fact, this episode, I've already got a list of show notes that I'm gonna add because some of the things I said were published papers and I'll have a link on for, there, for that published paper for you to consider. There is so much to explore and so many fun and amazing things. The world is a wonderful place, the world that our God created. Go out and explore it, have a great time. Don't be suckered by the showman. Look at it for yourself. And I hope, I'm trusting that for some of you out there, you're wanting a better explanation than what you currently have. And I'm trusting that as you go and look at, for these explanations, you're going to find things that challenge the evolutionary theory that's in your mind. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be able to outthink it and escape it. If you like biblical genetics, please give us a thumbs up. Please go and um, subscribe to our podcast or subscribe to our YouTube video series. Go to biblicalgenetics.com. There's tons of links there to spider outwards into the internet. All these interesting things. Most of them go to creation.com because that's where all, almost all my work's been published. But there's also links to other places too. Very fun things out there. And now you know what? I'm challenging you. Challenging you right now. Go and dig into something you've never seen. Most of the people seeing this have never heard anything about creation, never heard anything about this creator God. And you know what? You, at, on, on face value, you don't believe it. But when I was a young man, I didn't believe it either. I remember the first time I ran into someone who, who was a creationist, I literally thought this person was crazy. You can't believe that. Evolution's a fact, I said. But I no longer believe that. You don't have to believe it either. So go out and explore. That's all for now. Thank you all for your support. Love you. Have a great time until we see each other again. <laughs>